the passion reading read in the, in the manner that we read uh, today. Um, I didn't grow up in the tradition. I was in, in college when I first experienced that. And I remember how jarring it was to have on my mouth the words crucify him and to have on my mouth give us Barabbas. It was so um, jarring and heartbreaking and, um, and frankly just convicting of my self-righteousness that I, um, hearing that passage, uh, hearing the passion, knowing, knowing uh, about the passion for so many times, did not identify the fact that I was one who cried out, or my, my, for my life, um, the Lord was crucified. And so it was very jarring, convicting of self-righteousness, um, and many years since, reading that, it continues to be um, unsettling, but I think unsettling to the flesh, right? Unsettling to the ways in which we might be in rebellion against God. Because we can often think of penitence um, as being at odds with thanksgiving and with praise. Penitence, um, we can only have, we have caricatures of it, just like, well, I just feel really bad. And what does it look, to look like or feel like to feel bad enough to have true penitence? But it is that putting in our mouth, crucify him, putting in our mouth, give us Barabbas. It, it shows that God's depth of mercy was shown in those moments, that Jesus uh, cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because it is unspeakable uh, to say, crucify him. Crucify the Son of God. It's unthinkable to say, uh, give us Barabbas when we're faced with that choice of the holy, uh, sanctified one and a criminal. And you can't participate in, that, in this part of the service without feeling um, that conviction. It's tempting to bypass or at least um, skirt the cross um, and arrive suddenly at Easter Sunday. Um, but today's worship doesn't let us do that. Um, it shows us that grace is not cheap, but it is bought with the cost of the blood of Christ, that we are bought with a price. And it reminds us that we greet him with um, praise. Um, it was really wonderful, um, in the words of Jim, glorious um, to have trumpet um, as we sang, all glory, laud, and honor. But then minutes later, we acknowledge that, um, that the Lord's throne was a cross and his crown was a crown of thorns. And so Palm Sunday is it's an entry into Holy Week. It's not really a place to land, but it's an en- invitation and an entry into Holy Week, following our Lord where he has gone. As Deacon Liz pointed out to us last week, um, Jesus lived 30-plus uh, years um, but a third of the Gospels, the canonical, uh, or the, um, the, the Gospels are devoted to the last week of Jesus' life and emphasizing um, the Passion Week. And it shows that the message of the cross is so central to our faith and that the cross wasn't empty. The cross wasn't um, just something, a symbol that could be adorned with jewelry or just an architectural feature, but it was an actual instrument of death. It's not just some abstract religious symbol. And so on Palm Sunday, we are invited to follow our Lord from his triumphal entry, from the things that are marked by this day, 
through his suffering and death to the glory of his resurrection on Easter. It's jarring to shout crucify him because if we have any knowledge of crucifixion, we know how horrible it is. Crucifixion was excruciating, it was humiliating, it was slow, it was um, um, unavoidably public. It was a kind of death that was impossible to die heroically, impossible to look like a noble sacrifice because it was meant to break you down, to, to um, bring you down to a place of exhaustion and suffocation if you didn't bleed out in the midst of it. And it was brutality that was demonstration of the absolute power of those inflict- in inflicting it of Rome. A preacher, Fleming Rutledge, has observed that um, before Jesus, we don't have the names of anybody who was crucified before. That up until Jesus, though crucifixion was an instrument of, of death for several hundred years, there is no known person who was crucified before. It was a method of execution that was reserved for the very lowest of the low, those who are going to be the most anonymous to make an example of their death and of the power of Rome. And she points out, we would not know Jesus' name if he did not rise from the dead. We would not know Jesus' name. What reason would we have to know Jesus' name if he did not rise from the dead? And so with that um, terror of crucifixion, what must it have been like for Jesus to live with the cross uh, before him? What must it have been like to, um, to know and to even tell your disciples, as he did in Matthew, that he was going to Jerusalem, that he would be beaten and scourged and crucified and then rise in three days? What must it have been like to know that that was up ahead before you? Throughout his life, but especially during Holy Week, Jesus faced many opportunities to escape that suffering and death to skirt around or skirt away from the cross. Um, Children, I know you're here, you know many of these events and have listened to the readings. I mean, can you think of some of the opportunities in Jesus' final week that he might have made different choices, would he had opportunities to avoid that suffering? Jesus entered into Jerusalem so triumphantly. Um, Don't we think that maybe he could have used that used the support of the crowds, the city that was stirred up um, to some advantage other than being crucified. And Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. It was revealed to him that Judas was the betrayer. Why did he still keep Judas close? Why did he wash Judas' feet? Why didn't he expose Judas for, for what he was and what he was going to do? and stay away from the one who would betray him with a kiss and avoid capture. And even when Judas was betraying Jesus, Jesus knew his options. As um, Peter tried to to, uh, defend Jesus with the sword, Jesus rebuked him saying, do you not know that I can appeal to the Father to send 12 legions of angels? rebuking him, saying, you know, there's 50,000 angels that might come and rescue me from this, but this must happen, that scripture must be fulfilled. And then even before Pilate, Jesus had opportunity to answer, to make appeal. As we hear of um, Pilate's posture, it doesn't seem to be super hard-nosed. He was kind of flexible. 
His wife didn't want him to deal um, with Jesus in this way. And he made, a, made um, charge to Jesus, don't you have something to say for yourself? But yet Jesus never appealed to Pilate's power. And then finally, even on the cross, as people were mocking him, saying, even if you, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross with all those angel armies, with all the power of heaven. He could, in some in a potential way, have taken that opportunity, that opportunity to escape. He could have played the political game differently. He could have appealed to angel armies to shock and awe, ruin all those who were opposed to him. But instead, as a man of dust, one born in the likeness of men, one just like us, Jesus emptied himself and became obedient even unto death on the cross. Because us, men and women, mortal men, people of dust ourselves, we don't have the option to bypass suffering and death. The wages of sin is indeed death. And so being born in the likeness of men, Jesus emptied himself as as a man, just as we are. There is a man in this story who was deserving of death, at least according to the legal system, that the wages of Barabbas' sin was death. And there's no ambiguity in scripture that it was deserving, that he was deserving of that punishment. He was a murderer, he was an ungodly man. And that's why it feels so unspeakable for us to cry out for Jesus' crucifixion um, and even more unthinkable to say, let Barabbas go free and Jesus take his place. For Barabbas, the, the fact of the matter is, Barabbas lived and Jesus died in his place. And even Pilate, in looking at that injustice, wanted to wash his hands of that responsibility. But as the Apostle Paul wrote, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time Christ died for the ungodly. And we all may have read um, books or watched movies or know of stories where the hero sacrifices um, himself or herself for their friend, for one that is worthy in some way of death or sacrifice. But God chose to show his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And for a very deserving, um, ungodly sinner, Christ died. Christ died so that Barabbas might live, but it wasn't just Barabbas who gained life through Jesus' death. Jesus' death um, was to die for the sake of all creation, so that creation itself might be set free from all corruption, from all bondage. And Jesus died so that you and I might live. So it's a horror, it's a terrible thing to say, give us Barabbas. But in saying give us Barabbas, the Lord gives us ourselves life. Jesus died so that you and I might live. All creation is corrupt. All creation is in some sense of bondage. We experience it in myriad ways. It's the groaning of the natural world, um, the natural disasters of this week, even just the nastiness of more snow when we don't want more snow. But there's so many more serious things, myriad ways in which humans 
inflict violence upon each other in their words and their actions, who degrade each other, who scorn and mock. And Jesus took all those things, took the fullness of all those things, but was not crushed. With the psalmist, um, our laments and our griefs are many, um, and they are so long, and they usually end in some sort of sigh or groan. But it is answered in Jesus who rises again, who even from the cross is reciting psalms, but God is just to raise him again. It is tempting to keep the cross at a distance. It's tempting for us to skirt the hard things, the heavy things. It's tempting to go from his triumphal entry to his resurrection with the very minimal amount of personal conviction. Maybe personal conviction or sense of conviction of the rest of the world and how the rest of the world needs to be condemned. But it's very tempting to skirt around the ways that we ourselves, um, that, that we are bought with a, with a price. It's tempting to mute our voices or even not really sure what we, what we mean when we say crucify him or give us Barabbas. For the crucifixion is a scandal. It is a stumbling block who those, for, to those who desi- uh, desire signs and demonstrations of power. It's a folly to those who seek some elaborate and beautiful wisdom. But it is the place in which justice and mercy meet and are reconciled. Things that seem irreconcilable to us are brought together in God, in, in God and Christ. And so Holy Week is an invitation to come and see, to see how justice and mercy are reconciled, how the grace of God is costly and so great. And we're simply called to follow and acknowledge our need of him. And so as you think of the Holy Week services, as you have um, experienced today's service and feeling that tension, move towards it because it is the place um, maybe where the flesh um, is, uh, is weak but the spirit might give life. And so brothers and sisters, follow our Lord this Holy Week. Follow together as a body of Christ from his triumphal entry through his suffering and death to the glory of his resurrection on Easter. Follow through these things that we might enter with joy upon the contemplation of those mighty acts of God, whereby he has given us life and immortality through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.